0: Bismillahir Rahmanir rahim
1: Bismillahir Rahman Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Wassalaatu wassalamu ala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Assalamu rahmatullahi warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. Welcome to the Talking Deen podcast episode number seven. I'm your host uh, Majid and my co-host is rash and we have the return of brother jk and just to introduce those who don't know jk um, many of you may have watched the serial live sessions we had in the past and uh, brother jk is the one who delivers the serial classes and we have some actually good news uh, for those watching the serial classes because you would have noticed they've not been going on for uh, a month or so but I'll let Brother JK uh, mention uh, the good news.
0: Jazakallah khairan. So, yeah, um, they, they haven't been going on uh, recently. So, some people be, may be asking the question where's Brother JK gone? Where, where's the Seerah series gone? Uh, it's not gone, alhamdulillah. Uh, we will be continuing uh, after Ramadan. But actually, we're going to be uh, taking some of the lessons and the, you know, the feedback we've had from Talking Dean and the positive uh, impact we've had. We're going to take some of the lessons uh, and apply it to uh, the Seerah series. So, um, introducing Talking Sira. Um, but the main change really is um, going to be that it's going to be a podcast very similar to this Talking Dean series so it'll be available on all podcast channels on YouTube and you know we're taking it away from just having it on Facebook we know uh, Facebook is a platform that isn't always that stable and you know we know what they're doing with that and taking pages down very easily and banning things so it's just to kind of make sure all platforms have uh, have our content available and uh, there'll be a, a bit more I don't want to give too much away inshallah so just to uh, wet the appetite a little bit and uh, so brothers and sisters can, can watch and listen inshallah uh, coming soon yeah
2: I think that's going to be really good because when you're driving, it's much easier just to kind of listen to a podcast. Mm. You know, we've listened to some of the great seras in the past, but just to kind of get a, a different perspective as well and really talk, you know, how you make it relevant with yeah. current day examples and things like that. I think it would be good to be able to have it in a podcast format. And I think p- people will be able to benefit from it, inshallah, inshallah.
1: Yeah, Alhamdulillah. So I'm sure everyone's getting excited about that. But uh, look, for, I'm looking forward to it anyway Because I've missed you not being on there for a while um, Okay, so brothers and sisters, as we know We're in the last 10 days of Ramadan And, uh, you know, it's something as advice Is we really need to take advantage of what's left And some of the scholars said, you know uh, Now is similar to the racehorse Who, when it sees the finishing line It really, uh, you know, puts that extra effort in there And what we need to be uh, wary of is What tends to happen is When you're getting close to the End of Ramadan You know we stop putting our Eid plans in And what clothes we're going to wear And uh, you know what what's, what what's on the menu Where we're going I'm not sure if people go to uh, Wilms the Road in Manchester anymore But in the old days that was the the main joint place The main is. place to be Yeah <laughs> So uh, but don't be diverted from these You know And don't be distracted And don't stop Put some effort inshallah And uh, as we know Ramadan brothers Subhanallah it's flowing how how here. can it be that every year we say it's gone quicker than the year be- previous year?
2: Yeah. Perhaps it's because we're getting old, but I don't know. But yeah, it does really get, it just flies by, doesn't it? Yeah. And like, say so even just, I think sometimes those middle 10 days, like as soon as you get over the middle of the Ramadan hump after the 15th or so, mm. it just seems to speed up really yeah. quickly. But Alhamdulillah, it's been really good. We've had lots of good discussions. We've managed mm. to record quite a few of these, which I've really enjoyed you know mm. so alhamdulillah
0: and i think the other thing alhamdulillah you've seen many brothers and sisters about and you know the youth getting out there maybe yeah. the weather's helped as well maybe yeah. perhaps but um uh, the the they've been about and the masjid has been packed yeah. alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah which is good but as you're saying it's good that we encourage that you know it's not we're not just muslim for ramadan we're we're muslim for the whole year uh, worshipping allah and, and you know inshallah we made the vow that we can continue in our efforts and up our efforts inshallah so that uh, when it comes to next ramadan we're not you know it's not the same habit where we yeah. kind of go back into our homes and inshallah carry on I carry on going to the mosque speaking to others speaking about Islam spreading Islam um, and that next Ramadan inshallah when it comes that we can gain the benefits again
1: Inshallah. Yeah, Insha'Allah. I've are, been saying that in a
0: sorry.
2: To, no, no, to a, no, I've no. been saying that in a few of the khutbas that I've done this month. I've been saying that the best thing is to have a strategy of what you want to benefit in Ramadan mm-hmm. and how you can take that and be advantageous to the rest of the year. So almost at the beginning, go. These are the things I want to do, not just for Ramadan, but then because you're so much more focused in Ramadan because you're in the mosque yeah. more and you're around brothers more and things like that. So take that. But have that vision of how I'm going to utilize this the rest of the year. Even if it's a kind of some knowledge that I gain, some, something that I study, some, you know, something in the Dawah that will help me and benefit me in the rest of the year. Alhamdulillah, that's been well received.
1: Yes, yeah, subhanAllah. And you know the, the vibe you get, whether you're at uni or within the, in the prayer room, you know all the brothers are there and uh, you know brothers from all over the world. You know, SubhanAllah, you know, you're, you're making iftar together, you know, you f- you really feel that sense of unity, you know, subhanAllah But you know, at the same time, that also leads, leads on to the, the topic of discussion Because you know, one thing we see is that we're seeing that a lot of more youth are in the mosque You see this, especially in Ramadan And generally you do see, you get a sense, and it's quite evident that Muslims are becoming generally more religious, more Islamic Especially the youth, they know more about Islam And, uh, and when Ramadan comes you know, you see that, uh, you see this energy energy within them, right? But the thing is, is subhanAllah, you know, is how however many Ramadan since the, the, the Hijrah, okay? But in the past, the Ramadan was uh, a time when the Muslims really, when they, uh, they took it to the next level, in the sense where we've had many great victories in the month of Ramadan, right? But, you know, if you look at recently, um, I'm not talking about last couple of years, but, you know, maybe last few decades. We see Ramadan come, we see Ramadan go, okay? But, you know, the global situation of the ummah hasn't really changed. You know, today I was watching a video where you had these uh, Israeli soldiers who were, you know, protecting these settlers from uh, going into Al-Aqsa Masjid. You know, subhanAllah, in fact, it seems like every Ramadan, they become more emboldened, you know, and even though they know that come Friday, there's almost 200,000 Muslims praying there, yet the arrogance is so much that they feel that they can just go and desecrate the, the uh, Al-Aqsa Masjid, right, without actually, would whether, whether there be any re- repercussions, you know, and then you see things whether it's to do with Syria or, you know, the Muslims in India, especially with Modi being re-elected. You know, there's there's a lot of articles talking about what does this mean for Muslims now, because you got to understand that it's a landslide victory for people who came on and their and their prop their promotion their propaganda was against Islam when they were promoting like vote for us. It, you know, it had anti-Islamic uh, vibe to it. Yet they've been a you know, landslide victory. So what the situation of the Muslims in India and and, and etc. So what my question is really is that you know why is it that the ibadah especially in ramadan doesn't uh, change our situation or maybe i'm not seeing it correctly or maybe it is and inshallah we'll discuss that but it just seems that you know come ramadan everyone's on it right but in the grand scheme of things how can it be that as muslims we're on it but nothing changes
2: you know a good way to start is rather than our own words as common muslims on the street yeah to take the the teachings of some of the great scholars so the one thing that i read this month which is beautiful i think we sent it out again we sent it out as part of votu as well we, we've we been doing these ramadan reflections every day we've been sending a ramadan reflection out on our telegram channels and things like that and there was a beautiful saying and i think this is very apt for the situation of the ummah today it's quite long so i won't read it all out to you but let me just paraphrase and highlight a few things he, f- he starts off by saying shaitan has misled most people by beautifying voluntary acts of worship. This is the key bit: beautifying voluntary acts of worship. Mm-hmm. Then he says, while neglecting other obligatory acts, such as he mentions the salah, but he also mentions enjoining the good and forbidding the evil, and. Sometimes people reserve it to that bit and go, okay, we're not enjoying the good and we're not forbidding the evil. But he goes on. He goes to the extent that people are not even intending to perform these. In making the intention that maybe it's difficult now, or maybe my situation is difficult mm-hmm. now, but let me at least make the intention that I'm going to enjoy the good or I'm going to forbid the evil. But sometimes people argue that oh okay i don't know how to do that so allah has given me or the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has given me a prescribed methodology for my salah so i can mm-hmm. follow that he's given me a prescribed methodology for my hajj mm-hmm. for my zakah all of these things there isn't a prescribed methodology for enjoining the good and forbidding the evil but what ibn al-qayyim al-jawziah said which is so beautiful is We're not even intending to do this, let alone starting to look at what the prescribed methodology is for it. So he highlights this. Then he goes on to say that people who show this piety, intentionally or unintentionally, actually some of them you could argue are the least pious because they've highlighted, they can see. So specifically what he says is indeed, what kind of piety is there in a person who witnesses Allah's sanctities being violated? his religion being abandoned. The sunnah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam shunned and yet remained still with a cold heart and a shut mouth.
1: SubhanAllah.
2: Do you know how he describes that person? He says, such a person is like a dumb shaitan. SubhanAllah.
1: Subhanallah.
2: Subhanallah. So like you said, the question is, Okay, Muslims are becoming more religious in this month, Muslims are doing more, we're in the mosques, we're out and about, we're, you know, lots of good is happening, no doubt. But you know, a lot of that is, maybe it falls into that category of beautifying the those worships that are voluntary. Oh, no doubt we yeah. should be going to read Tarawi. It's voluntary. We should be doing it because we want to exemplify yeah, course, the sunnah. Course, yeah. We want to do the best of our ability, but do we do it at the expense of the other things? Do we do it such that we don't even intend to do the other things? So I think today's discussion is going to be around understanding that, yes, there are obligatory things that need to be done, and what should they be, as well as maybe our situation isn't changing, because as Ibn al Qayyim al-Jawziyyah says, maybe it's not changing because we're neglecting some of those obligations. Because we'll go into some of the ayat as well later on, because it's highlighted in those ayat that, Difficulties can come even if there are pious people in that society if we choose to neglect things that Allah wants us to do. I think that's very important.
1: I think what's also uh, uh, important as well is what you just mentioned there about the example by uh, um, the, the great scholar that, you know, if a bliss is going to want you to, if, if he knows that you have Muslims who are getting close to Allah, okay, so he's going to come, waswasa, go and do adultery and drink alcohol, he knows people ain't going to do it. Right? He knows people are going to do it So how can he neutralize you On the on the path On the mission of the Messenger Is not by you doing these sins You know what? Distracting you Right Actually the, and the secret here is Because Allah tells you about the Iblis Because he's going to come from different angles And the secret here is that The person still thinks he's doing What is required by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that's the illusion yes, Exactly Definitely You know
2: know that it might it, it will benefit you all of those good well, things course. you're doing you'll benefit you in the akhirah mm-hmm. no doubt and it will benefit you in this life as well inshallah but the thing is that that doesn't mean we shouldn't be seeking those things that will aid our Ummah at large aid our situation at large but that's that's what he's highlighting that's why i find it so beautiful to read that those teachings and it's quite long so again if you go on if brothers and sisters go on to the Votu telegram page or onto the Votu mm-hmm. facebook page the full the full um, saying is there and some commentary on it. But it's beautiful because oh. it gives us perspective of what we really should be doing.
1: And this is Ibn, uh, Ibn Al-Qayyim. Ibn yeah. Al-Qayyim. Yeah. Yeah. Jones, yeah, yeah. Allah, yeah, Now, subhanAllah, this was century, was he? Quite
2: early, isn't it? No, not that early.
1: But nevertheless, he didn't see today's times. No,
2: no, no, exactly. No, no. And no. It's, it sounds like it's about now.
1: You know, it's like as if somebody's, you know, uh, Posted on Facebook now, as in you know, it's written in it now because it seems like it's a true reflection. Um, so, you know, in regards to what we spoke about, uh, whether it's to do with bettering yourself um, or whether it's to do with, uh, well, I mean, I think one of the other issues also is uh, this element of individualism as well that people think, you know, as long as I'm doing what I can for Ramadan, it's for me, okay? But the reality is when you speak to people, what they will say is that, you know, they will give you some evidences that talk about focusing on yourself, whether it's focusing on your akhlaq, whether it's focusing on, you know, um, the way you treat people, right? Uh, It's it's more inward, right? Um, And actually, we get many groups that promote self-perfection. And what I want to ask is that, to me, that may well be something which is positive, okay? So do we think that this is something that's positive or do we think this might actually be part of the problem?
0: So I think, you know, the the fact is, the reality is that no doubt as Muslims, um, all of us striving to do better and become better people, it's natural that we want to improve ourselves. We should always, you know, we should be seeking to improve ourselves. And Ramadan is that month, alhamdulillah, is one of those times of the year that, you know, you self-reflect, you kind of reflect on the year, what's what's gone well, what's gone... Bad, what sins you may have committed, the, the things you may have done really good as well. How you're going to maintain the good and improve upon it? Yeah. Uh, how you're going to stay away, stay away from those actions that are prohibited or or looked down yeah. upon? You know, th- this is that time of year where you do do that. I think you know, um, so the, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala says in the Quran in many places you will find that He says that, amanu ashabul jannah." So that those who believe and do righteous actions they are the ones who will attain jannah so doing righteous actions and you know in- increasing it and be- being a-, a better person is part of islam right but i think the issue is when we really restrict what amir al-Salihat means yeah. the righteous actions what it really really means to improve ourselves and the reality is what we've done is come like to compartmentalize it where Um, Doing righteous actions and doing good actions and improving ourselves has just become about the Ibadat,
2: just the personal worships.
0: Whereas this is not the case. I mean, this is part of it. So we should be increasing our tilawah, increasing our knowledge of Islam on an individual basis and our relationship with Allah. But we should also recognize that Islam is much broader than this. And it includes our behavior with other people, society at large. You know, all them relationships that we have with Allah, the three, three relationships, which are, you know, the relationship we have, we have with Allah, the direct, and that's our rituals, uh, zakat, the, the charity that we give, and the salah, for, as, for example. Then you have your relationship with society at large, the, the transactions, which uh, we call the mu'amalat, the transactions, so, so how you trade with each other, our social relationships, marriage, whatever it may be, the way we uh, interact with the opposite sex, uh, that's another relationship and the third one is kind of our relationship with ourselves You know, what clothes we're allowed to wear, you know, what is the rules around the aura for example What we're allowed to eat. So these relationships are all there and this is comprehensive But the, the, the main point is that the sharia, the, 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 you know, the law of Allah Regulates and governs all of these relationships not just one and that, this is my point So going back to the point on the question that uh, you know improving oneself and just on uh, self-perfection you know, firstly, you know, I don't. I want to kind of move the 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 term self pect- self perfection out of the way slightly because it's an impossible task. We're not seeking perfection. We're all insan. You know, this is not what we're seeking. But improving oneself is important, but not to restrict it purely to just oneself. You know, think about all the other relationships that Definitely. we have and understand what what it really requires to, uh, to you know, to believe in Allah and and please Allah. I think the main thing is what's happened.
2: And this is, I think, the issue to tackle really is that self-perfection or improving oneself and all of these things, yeah. this is a natural thing to do in your journey. You have a journey there, you're constantly learning more about the deen, you're improving each of your actions in terms of your salah and all of these things, this is natural. But yeah. what is actually, some, some could argue it's a bit sinister, others could argue that it's a level of ignorance. But what the issue is, is highlighting the way people promote this sometimes. Mm. And this is in lots of different movements. And what makes it more difficult for the individual or for a, a normal Muslim on the street is f- five people or several people may say the same thing or sorry, say different things but give the same ayat. Yeah. You see, so w- what they will say is the the one that this is the most famous one is that in la Yureyuru Ma Hatta Ma B an Fusihim. So this is the one, This uh, part of the ayah is said by a lot of different people, and the, it's often misinterpreted and mistranslated.
1: So what what is the ayah? So
2: the ayah means Allah will not change the condition of a people until they change what is in themselves. Yeah, very,
1: very common.
2: Very common. And, and lots, and I'm not going to name names. A lot of people will use the same ayah to say that you need to perfect yourself or you need to improve yourself or it's all your, the Muslims' fault. Until you sort yourself out specifically as an individual, your situation will not change. This is why that we're in the situation that we are. But you know, actually, When they use this and give different methodologies off the back of it, Mm. often they don't look at the actual words themselves. Because Allah mentions here, قوم, right in the middle. And that doesn't actually mean you as an individual. It means you as a collective society. It means people, not person. And this is very important because what happens is, people take the ayah and then go, okay, so what I now need to do is, okay, I need to self-perfect or I need to improve my personal actions. And the methodology that's given is fix yourself, fix your family, then that will have a natural kind of progression onto the family next door or the neighbors next door and that all of a sudden this will rectify our situation. Even the, the concept is somewhat illogical. Mm, yeah? The concept that all of a sudden that everybody kind of in a society which is already, you know, we're living in a society full of munker, yeah, all of a society like this, that all of a sudden that's going to cause a transformative mm. change. This is not realistic in itself. But in addition to that, the verse is actually saying, the ayah is saying that you need to collectively work to this. Yeah. You need to collectively change. And it's highlighting that only when we deserve it will Allah change our situation. And you can take a very simple example. You can take like the example of like boiling water. Yeah, You mm-hmm. take that example and you say that, okay, if that water is cold, I'm going to take a few droplets out of it, I'll heat them up and I'll put them back in and see if yeah. that warms up the, the, the pot. It's not going to warm it up, is it? As soon as you take those hot droplets and put them back cold in them. the cold water or vice versa, they're just yeah. going to change back to what the majority is. So changing individuals and expecting it to have societal change is not realistic what you need to do is you need to almost say that the system or the issues that are there we need to look at them specifically and then muslims need to come together and go what we want our solutions collectively from the sharia of allah yeah. Subhanahu Wa Taala," and then that effectuate change and this is where i think it's quite quite um, problematic to take this approach that some people and some groups sometimes use
1: I think you know. Uh, just say we obviously as as we we're, we're in the West anyway. Yeah, um, the thing is is that you know in regards to the society, from the societal point of view, you know we know that the change from uh, uh, Darul kufr to Darul Islam is going to happen in the in the Muslim lands, right? But one thing we can see though is that uh, even though uh, you know geographically that change is going to happen in a certain area, but the ummah is one ummah. And we don't actually, you know, uh, divide ourselves and separate ourselves along these geographical lines, right So wherever a Muslim is around the world, you know, his uh, his vision and his uh, uh, mission and, and what he's working, objective Should be the same as Muslims, which is to bring back uh, the Islamic way of life, right So what I do feel is that when uh, people are speaking about when they, when it is to do with the perfecting or, or very uh, individualistic, what actually happens is that uh, this is where I think the problem is, because what they do is that they uh, prioritize these things, right? But the issues that we require as Muslims to know, which will give us a unified vision, that unified objective, that's something which is, you know, either is not mentioned at all, or if it is mentioned, you know, Allah will know what the intentions are, but it's it's actually in, uh, mentioned in a in a way where it actually does the opposite. Okay, whether it's to do with the issues of jihad, for example, you know, or whether it's to do the issues of uh, Allah's laws or the Sharia, and you know, uh, these things are sometimes mentioned, but they're mentioned in such a way where it still it brings it to the individual. So you have the issue of jihad we know jihad is fighting in the way of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make allah's deen highest and this is how the the islamic state would uh you know uh, expand its borders all right but uh what we do what we see now is that you know this has now been regulated purely to the inward struggle okay even though we know there is an inward struggle that a person has against his nafs we know this is a fact against his desires okay but when you're taught when you're taught just about jihad and you, this is mentioned there is something which is really odd because you go to any of the classical books and you will see when you look at what imam Abu khanifa imam shafi imam malik imam humble what their definition of jihad is is very clear and the issue to the khilafah even today i listen to I was in the masjid and in the du'a you know, uh, the actual imam said, you know, that uh, having love for your, your homeland, your love for your country is part of your iman. Now imagine people are being told this, you know, so you're, you're content now with just uh, loving your country, whether it's Pakistan or wherever. Where's the unifying element? You understand? Because yeah, as long as your country's all right, does it really matter what's happening elsewhere?
2: i tell you what happens is, so this kind of approach... Whatever you call it, whether you call it perfecting yourself or individual individualizing the Islam, what 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 happens is it's taken as if okay because as an individual I want to make sure that I practice my Deen to the best of my ability. Mm-hmm. I will take those things that don't affect other people because you know if I say something wrong, then I might be misguiding someone else. So whereas if I just think okay for me to be a better Muslim to meet me to gain my Akhirah, I will concentrate on my Salah because this. Mm-hmm. It's critical. Yeah, I have to. Yeah, so I'll concentrate. Then what sometimes people will say is, well, you shouldn't venture into other things, like whether it be politics or whether it be telling people about the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and other things because you don't have the knowledge for it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but you know what? This is very dangerous because what you're doing is you're going, to those people you're saying, make yourself better. Firstly, you're not introducing those concepts in the first place. You're not Mm -hmm. even mentioning that this, Thing like you've said already like khilafah or jihad or we'll talk about i wanted to mention bayah as well what the bayah Mm. is you know these things like oath of allegiance these things are not even being introduced and i'm not talking in technical terms no one needs to understand these technically um but they, they're not even spoken about. So what happens is, say for instance, let's take an example of like a, a, a convert brother a revert brother or someone mm-hmm. who comes to the deen. They get a very individualized, spiritualized version of the deen. But years and years and years can go past and they'll never hear about some of these other aspects. Yeah. So it's very intentional that this individual version of Islam is molded into people such that when that concept of some of these other things that they make scary comes in, they're like... Oh, I didn't realise that was part of Islam. Mm-hmm.
1: And that actually adds to your original point But about, about, uh, about uh, Imam Qayyim. Yeah. Uh, when he said that it will com- it come to a stage when people have a desire to do it. Yeah. But if people do not, if, if, you if don't they know don't know it, about it... You can't it. blame them.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So this is very important. So this is where we need to make sure that people understand what Islam is collectively. Mm-hmm. And then otherwise, this kind of individualism, that's how, how it's going to have a negative effect on the society.
0: Yeah. And you know, the, the, the key reason why you find this today, especially living in the West, you probably get it more, is because, you know, um, the system that dominates today is capitalism, right? That is the system. Today, obviously, in this country, it dominates. But even though across the whole world, even in our lands, uh, that system is the dominating system at the moment, right? Um, and the key cornerstone of capitalism is individualism. Right, I studied economics when I was at uni years years ago right uh, so it's fine I still look young but long time ago bro <laughs> long I'm time sure like that university, university is closed now yeah <laughs> probably, it doesn't exist maybe who knows um, but so I studied economics uh, so just taking a bit from my education of the past is you know Adam Smith his view of society was that it was just a group of individuals and these group of individuals what they do as an individual you go out and you try to satisfy your uh, your needs and your wants your desires essentially your whims and your desires at the expense of anyone else, right? Yeah. So even you find in this society that uh, you know people that are kind of children, children and sons would you know basically take advantage of their own parents in order to fulfill their own desires. So they will put them in an old people's home, not not having to care about their own parents because they want to satisfy their own wants and needs, right? But Islam has the opposite view, right? Islam has a view that uh, you know we're uh, you know collective as a uh, you know we have collective relationships shared thoughts and emotions in a society and we are regulated by the laws of allah you know we in a a true islamic system this is the view um so with this framework that we live in today where it's purely about individualism and that's promoted what what's happened is affected the muslims right so the muslims have been affected by this framework so what happens some of these concepts you you guys are talking about so khilafah jihad bayah, um you know one ummah. All of these kind of concepts that we have in Islam, either they've been kind of pushed to the side, side. or uh, the incorrect
2: yeah, Or they've version. been individualised. Individualised, so completely yeah. make it
0: different to what it's supposed to be. Exactly that. And you know what jihad, jihad al-nafs as they call it, you know the hadith that is used, or I say hadith, but they call it a hadith, uh, that is very popular, has become famous but actually has uh, is known to be not just da'if, it's meant to be fabricated, uh, is that the, that the messenger ﷺ said so, the saying goes that he said, um, after a battle, came back and said that, oh, we've come back from the lesser jihad to the greater jihad, right? This is known to be fabricated, fabricated. or it's a statement of someone else, not the statement of our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So a lot of the moderates and people that kind of really want to promote this view have used this statement as, you know, the main jihad, the greater jihad, is that of fighting the nafs. nafs yeah. But the fact is, and Ibn uh, uh, Taymiyyah Shaykh al-Islam, he even said that this, you know, across all the scholars, uh, to paraphrase, he said that no one recognises this at all and it's a fabricated hadith. We know that fighting against the enemy is the best of actions. Yeah, exactly. And you know this is jihad. This is the understanding of jihad.
1: Well, at that stage, what I want to add though is that it is important to, to also acknowledge that you know, whether you want to call it jihad or nafs or not, that's entirely up to you, right? But the reality is that if one wasn't able to overcome his desires, he's never going to go on the battlefield, exactly. battlefield yeah, anyway. So he so so still has to go to the process. So that's definitely a fact, you that know, that that if, you process. know, you have to be able to get that stage because subhanAllah, to be fighting jihad, it's not everyone's cup of tea, is it? Definitely,
2: yeah. So you know what they're trying to do is, like you said, is these different concepts, these key things that Muslims should know about, they're trying to take each of them and make sure that as a Muslim in a society that is non-Islamic, mm-hmm. yeah, be it here or be it in our Muslim lands, that we are content that, okay, if you know about those, yeah. then you go, oh, okay, I know about jihad, it's jihad or nafs put it over here. Yeah. I know about Islamic State and all of this thing. Oh, okay, they failed over there. Mm-hmm. We can't have it now. It's too difficult. Put it aside. Yeah. Baya, they take that one. I'll give you a few examples. What they've done is, if you look at the verses in the Quran about baya, and you then take the seerah, Mm. Most people who read the seerah will recognize that bayah is to the Amir al mumineen Bayah is to your Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So yeah? the oath of allegiance. Oath of allegiance. Mm. So you give that oath. So that you're giving oh you're you know, this is to say that, you know, I'm giving my oath for Islam to be implemented over me. Mm-hmm. Yeah? They've changed this into where Bayah now, if you talk to some of the youth especially, they will say, Oh, I've given Bayah to a Sheikh. Yeah. I've given Bayah to this person, a spiritual guide. So it's it's fine in that yes, I've given my oath such that I'm taking my knowledge and seeking some knowledge from this person. Fine. Yeah. That's the person I'm gonna to go to when I need some knowledge. But they're actually using the word bayah, yeah. yeah, in the context of and then using some of the evidences. Yeah. And you know what? If you take this, then it's like saying, okay, the bayah which I need to give, which is an obligation for me, I've given it now. I've yeah. given yeah. it to this sheikh. All of a sudden I don't need to give a bear. To the Amir al-Mu'mineen. It's been satisfied. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, are you going to go, Oh, there's this obligation. I've got to do that, give my bayah. Oh, you know, if you were, if you're missing your salah, you'll be constantly agitated. Oh, I'm stuck somewhere. I can't pray. I can't do Mm wudu. I'll be frustrated. In the same way as if I know that giving a bayah is mandatory, is obligatory, Mm -hmm. I need to give it. If someone comes along and tells me, I'll give it to this guy here, you're, that's it you're sorted now mm-hmm. then you'd give it wouldn't you if yeah. you thought that was the correct thing to do but actually m- much of the evidences used talk about an Imam and people get duped by this they go okay because it says Imam I can give it to any Imam mm. but actually the Mufassireen when they looked at these evidences and said when it says Imam it's talking about the Amir al-Mu'mineen it's not talking about any Imam on top of that people then go oh but it says Imam maybe it's all right to be another Imam mm. but then also, the the hadith that says that to give the Bayad your pledge of allegiance, and to yeah. a, a Khalifa, yeah. if there's more than one imam, strike the neck of the latter. Does that mean people are going to go around and and strike the neck of the every second imam that they see? Of course not.
1: And we don't encourage that. On and we don't encourage
2: exactly. That's completely incorrect but that's you know all of a sudden it's so easy
0: to take these evidences and completely conflate well, things it's dangerous definitely and that, you know that really highlights the point the importance of knowledge you mm-hmm. know definitely the scholars and you know they do have a high status in islam however as muslims we need to educate ourselves definitely. the word just on this point about imam right you know the mufassirin and the historical uh, scholars they know that another word khilafah is the Imam. yeah. So the Imam is that. That's why the imam. So that's the system, yeah. the imamate, and the leader is the imam. Exactly. So this is known. You know, it's not even. Exactly. This wouldn't even be a discussion point. But what's happened is because of kind of lack of knowledge and you know Muslims being used and you know we can talk a bit more about this inshallah. But uh, you know. The, There is a campaign to kind of. This is not to blame the
2: individuals. That individual is going to be Mm -hmm. thinking this person is more knowledgeable than me. He's going to know what this means more than I am. He's told me it's an obligation. I fulfil my obligation. Mm -hmm. That person isn't really to blame, there is it? But the person giving the guidance, you have got to question that person. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. And and
1: you know the thing is, you know, uh, generally we when we think of ibadah, we we think uh, predominantly this is talking about the individual, but you know, Subhanallah. If one was to understand um, And the JK did uh, Touch upon it About the The three relationships Because Islam is a deen It's not a millah It's not a religion It's an an ideology uh, You know Which uh, covers all aspects of life So If you were to even look at those Those uh, obligations Those commands That we actually even think Are individual In fact you'll see that There's a societal impact on them Even your five pillars Even for example Your salah You know The salah itself yeah you pray as an individual But in reality Look at all those uh, Narrations that talk about People getting to the masjid As a jama Yeah Where's the societal aspect Where for those people That are not praying For those people That are not closing their shops On the day of juma Where's the where, You know what happens there So you see Even your salah has implication Zakat And actually it's very important That we speak about this Because you know Nowadays people promote Zakat as a charity SubhanAllah Zakat is a worship Abu Bakr you know, he went to war for zakat, you know, and this is the right for the state, and this is the right for the state to distribute. But nowadays, you know, it's being promoted in a way where you know you want to build this here, give your zakat. You want to do this here, give your zakat. You know, so even those things which we think are which we think are individual, Subhanallah, even they have a societal impact.
0: Well, you know, just on this point about zakat, recently I came across some... I'm not sure you brothers may have uh, recently. Seen, there's some text message or some message going out there really, um, basically kind of having a bit of a go at charity organisations that are taking more than they should be taking. So so they get a wage, some of the people, but it's beyond kind of the tax relief, yeah. right? So that means what they're doing is they're taking some of the donations that people have given out of their own money, thinking it's 100% going to uh, wherever, uh, the The organisations are actually taking more of it, and you know this point about you know where I, uh, evidences and ayat have been misinterpreted. There's, uh, there's in the Quran, I think they talk. About, Allah talks about the uh, categories of who can be eligible for yes, zakat, God, right? Yeah. And one of the categories is one the distributor, right? And what this what basically has happened is they've taken this evidence to say, oh, that means oh, charity organisations can take part of that zakat because we're distributing it. However. If you know, if you knew the context of the ayah, that category is the the person who is elected by the state to carry out the duty to collect the zakat. Not organizations, not not these random organizations we set up to follow kind of the Christian sense or the uh, the Western organizations. Not at all. So again, what they've done is individualized these acts of ibadat and have misinterpreted the ayah to the benefit. Subhanallah, and it just really makes it difficult for the average Muslim to understand. What the true kind of interpretation should be,
2: and regularly when Allah talks about the zakah, He says establish zakah. Yeah, yeah, He says establish it. So we we when we're listening as non-Arab speaking and we hear the word zakah, we're stood in tarawih Salah mm. zakah. So so we think oh, at least okay, Allah is telling us to give zakah. Yeah. I need to fulfil my zakah, of course, and that that that's one of the ways we should take it. Yeah. But actually, if we look at what is actually being said is as establish the zakah. Oh. Yeah? And establishing the zakah has many functions. Mm. As it's a worship, but also it's a tax. Mm-hmm. It's a tax that then has many functions. And those functions that that tax is used for, you, you see it. When you look back in history, you'll have mm-hmm. seen that the zakah, when it was taken, it was ensured that it helped with wealth distribution. Mm-hmm. It made sure people were provided for. It made sure the person who was allowed to collect it was legislated, or actually an administrative function of the of the state. Mm-hmm. You know what's most dis, um, most insincere, insincere, I would say, and people might argue with this. What is most insincere is these charity organisations don't even have the sincerity to say, you know, in the absence of the true authority that should be collecting this, we're collecting it, even though technically mm-hmm. they may not be allowed to even do that. Mm-hmm. But Where is the sincerity? Where is the sincerity to say, the issues that Ummah is facing are these, this is the correct solution for that. Mm -hmm. In the absence of that, if they had some sincerity, we're gonna collect it and we're gonna try and help. Mm -hmm. Where is the sincerity? There was a a a scholar, or not scholar, sorry, there was an Imam who was saying, he gave a bit of a speech, he says, some of these charity organizations, we should critique them, we should say, look, Mm -hmm. you lot are showing like a cloak of of piety. You're, you're alike you've become a band-aid he gave a good example you've become the sticking plaster of western foreign policy mm-hmm. western foreign policy are destroying our lands and your zakat has become a sticking plaster for this yeah, a sticking yeah. plaster which is dripping with the blood of our muslim Department, brothers and sisters yeah? yeah they have some they have a responsibility if if they've got most people's ears and eyes then why are they not speaking about this mm-hmm. it's it's a very important thing
1: and also the going back to the point you made earlier, the fact that, you know, if you if you feel agitated, now, you know, for example, you know, I'm not going to give my zakat to a charity organization, right? So what I will do is I'll try to go out my way to find an avenue where I can, you know, perform this worship from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and get it to someone who's eligible, right? But there's always that element of, you know, trying to work out, trying to find out, you understand? But, so, there's an agitation thinking that, subhanAllah, if the proper environment, if the proper apparatus was there, I wouldn't have to have this problem, right? But for the people who don't, who uh, just believe what these people, these organizations are saying, you know, this agitation, it's not even going to be there. Because the, you, know, you have to, you know, action, action comes from some sort of agitation, you know, you have a problem and then you work for a solution. If you don't even feel there's a problem. And, you know, just want to add as well that, you know, even in Surah al where Allah SWT talks about you know the, those people. The only way of of uh, uh, being um, averting the destruction that's coming your way is for having iman, but performing the righteous deeds. And the righteous deeds, you know, obviously in the in the, it says you know uh, uh, <speaking in the language> yeah? So Salah, uh, again, the word is Salah. Now someone might just think, okay, that means the person who prays. But Subhanallah, reading the tafsir. And uh, the Mufassir, why he said that when he's talking about Salah, he says, this is what it means to make Salah. It means to make us right what was wrong. It means to mend what was broken. It means to bring order to chaos. It means to bring light to darkness. These are the actions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes to see from us. The actions that conform to His subhanahu wa ta'ala's law. The actions that will bring benefit to the world around us. The actions that will bring mercy and justice for all of humanity. It is the ending of suffering. It is the bringing of light to the darkness. It is bring. It is the bringing of mercy to pain. It is the bringing of order to chaos. It is the bringing of sanity to madness. Amen. Subhanallah. This is what... Just, I mean, this is probably even just one meaning of the, of Salah in that context, you know. So here, you know, subhanAllah, what we can see there is to bring sanity to madness. Today, the world is mad. You know, it's gone mad. To bring sanity is for us Muslims to be carrying Islam in the correct way. But if you're not told that, if you're not understood, if you don't understand it in that way, it's not going to impact you in any way whatsoever whatsoever.
2: Yeah, and all it does is pacify people. Definitely. it's, it's it, Like it pours water over kind of the fire and just goes, okay, you could, you've done what you can. Yeah. As an individual, this is all you can do. You can give your a car and we'll, we've got someone to collect it and sorted, you've done your bit. Yeah, because it, it saps
0: the zero. And, you know, we, we talk about charity, mm. but there's many other actions that do the same thing. Same thing. So, you know, what charity walks, like, you know, okay, part of charity, but, you know, charity mountain climbs, mm. things like this. That, how has that got anything to do with the actual situation. You know, the other day, I uh, saw this video about these children talking about how their fathers have been, yeah. you know, murdered, and they, they, they were asking, you know, what message do you have for your father? And subhanAllah, you just looked at their reaction, and, you know, they're children. They're not even, you know, they should be thinking about playing and, you know, other things, right? right? But they're thinking about their own parents and have, have been killed through, through the war in Syria. And, you know, when you see that, you see the situation and the reality that's really there, but then on the other thing you're saying, you're seeing some poster about, let's bike for Syria. Don't, don't get me wrong, I don't want to... Okay, the intention may be okay. However, does it actually solve anything in any way? Not even a little bit. So... This is you know, we'd really need to have that reality check and think, you know.
1: But it's not just about charities, it's like partitions, boycotts and lobbying and anything. So I think you were making a point earlier about, you know, that as Muslims we've been influenced by, you know, the capitalism. Absolutely.
2: Exactly. The sincerity is there. No one's questioning anybody's sincerity when yeah. they're doing these actions because they want to do something. But what you need to question is the framework, the framework. that's promoting these things. The framework that's saying, you can't do anything more, so do this. Yeah. You yeah, can't do framework. anything more, so do this. And actually, you would almost go. You know, if, as a crude example, you removed all charity organisations and the situation in the, the, the Muslim lands was as it is, people would be much that's more true. agitated to do something. They would be like, but all of a sudden, you've put something to fill that gap Which doesn't solve it, was never meant to solve it, is because it's like, it's a worship and it's a tax and all of these things. And yet, the state of, you know, year after year of giving and giving, that message you talked about, whether there's any truth in some aspects, one, one aspect there was truth in is there's hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds worth of charity, that, oh, and that was in one year I think pound, because it uh, gave the name of like 20 different charities yeah. and they, each one 20 million, 15 million, 10 oh, million it's. millions of pounds being given to our Muslim brothers and sisters in the Muslim lands, but year by year our situ- situation is getting worse yeah. Yeah, well, Getting you, worse. you
0: couldn't say that um, the Muslims are not generous, generous. we're not probably not the all. most generous nation or collective of people than any other, right, in terms of what we want to give but imagine that all of that you know, it's not easy to give that kind of money. For many of us, it's not. But you give it and then actually when it comes to the... What's the use of it? How much money have we raised for Palestine and Gaza? And then your point, uh, the other point about the other actions that we're doing around lobbying the same governments that are responsible for the problem. How can you lobby the UN? How can you lobby the governments that are... You know, they are... You start going to the criminal who killed your you know, family and saying, oh, can you help me? SubhanAllah, like, have we not really thought this through? Anyway, subhanAllah.
1: So, you know, uh, so but what we can see, though, is we are seeing that um, a lot of Muslims are becoming more religious here. Yeah, we see this 100%. You know, there's all more awareness. We see, you know, I, I can relate from a time when, you know, uh, not too long ago. <laughs> but, you know, when uh, Islam really was purely a cultural thing and, you know, you went to the masjid. It's just the, the old lot. Um, and no one was really interested, right? And, so, and in those days, in all honesty, you learned your what what was islam from your re teacher in school and even that made you feel embarrassed for being muslim you know because the way they used to portray it but we see you know subhanallah because of the revival of islam we see that now you know um uh, muslims They are a lot more aware of things, especially the youth. You know, they understand things about Ummah, they have this feeling, you know, they understand ideas of Khilafah and all these things and and the issues, and they have a concern. You know, you see many of these have their, you know, they're they're very anti Israel and whatever because, you know, they they feel this and they want to do something. So, from everything what you've been saying is, yeah, 100% we can witness that there's a revival in the Ummah, right? And that people want to, that Muslims are getting closer to Allah. But are you saying that? the situation might not change anytime soon is because even though the Muslims are getting that more religious, they're being, uh, that effort and that zeal is being uh, diverted and channeled down the wrong way. Is that, is that what we're saying? Uh, uh, you know, alhamdulillah uh,
0: that it is very promising to see the youth and those that, you know, that, you know because they're in this society society yeah. that's full of fitna, but alhamdulillah it's very promising to yeah. see that the youth are still, you know, coming towards Islam. Mm. Alhamdulillah, that, you know, no doubt that is very promising to see. Um, but as you're saying, we also need to be wary, wary of the dangers that are out there as well. So um, we know that there's a certain version of Islam that's being spewed out, right? Whether it be kind of on the podiums of the mosques, uh, in you know, certain events and wherever, all these different platforms and social media now, the many different platforms, a certain version of Islam is being spewed, which is apolitical. It, it, you know, moving away from the real Islam, you know, an Islam that is comprehensive, an Islam that is about resuming the Islamic way of life, as we've been talking about.
1: So you mean like a secular version? The like secular, secular, yeah, version, a very yeah.
0: secular version of Islam that r- restricts, and it goes back to the point we were talking about earlier that it's purely about the ibadat, about the personal mm. worships, and yeah. you know, ju- just that about Salah, about Zakan, nothing more than uh, that and that's a danger
2: and when you speak to some of the kind of brothers that may have youngsters maybe who have more recently really started to learn about their deen more practicing but the version they're getting is this very you can class it as a secular version because they haven't heard of some of these other aspects where Islam comes to have solves problems for other aspects. So there was some brother that we were speaking to recently, I was speaking to him in, in the university, and he was saying, oh, I haven't actually heard about some of how is the Islamic economic system mm-hmm. solves some of the problems of the Ummah. How, you know, how we've got all of these kind of climate change issues, climate issues, how Islam would actually have a way of solving this. Mm-hmm. Most people wouldn't look at that, they go, a religion, how is a religion gonna solve the climate change issue? How is a religion mm. going to solve the issue of wealth distribution and wealth inequality in the world? But the fact that when you highlight it to them and you highlight just some nuggets of the Islamic economic system, they're like, they're dumbfounded. They're like, actually, yeah, that would help solve the problem. Mm. So these things are, this is where you see the secular version of Islam having really kind of taken root And I would also say, you know, you mentioned the point about, you know, we live in this very capitalistic kind of environment. This is what is having an effect on the youth as well. So, yes, you have like a version of Islam. They're becoming more Islamic. But we shouldn't kid ourselves sometimes. There are a lot of people leaving Islam as well. We shouldn't kid ourselves. You know, there's people, there's, there's, you know, the the people that are leaving Islam, there's people who are practicing less as well as Mm. those people are coming to the Deen, especially in these Western kind of nations as well. Mm. And arguably in Muslim lands as well. So there's issues there where societal change would rectify that. But actually, where you have a society with full of LGBT and all of these kind of things, it actually has an adverse effect on some Muslims as well Mm -hmm. okay and I've spoken and said in the past that okay it creates a clash in society and from that clash sometimes you get fruits in terms of positive fruits where Muslims are like oh actually I now really understand why Islam has this stance on homosexuality so they actually try to clarify in their minds whereas The flip side is the society impacts them and they go off track. And we've got this difficulty now of the future generation. And this is not just Muslims. This is non-Muslims as well. We live in a very, almost call it like a Netflix stroke gaming society now. Kids are coming home and people come home and if you speak to your colleagues and stuff at work, what do they do? Come home and watch five episodes on, on Netflix. Come mm-hmm. home and spend four or five hours on a computer. What does it do? It's complete escapism. Completely takes them away from the problems of, of, of society and the world at large. Because most of the kids say, I don't want to watch the news. Yeah, it's yeah. depressing. Yeah. I'd rather go and watch Netflix. I'd rather watch a, a Marvel uh, movie or something like that. It gives yeah. them this escapism that allows them to go. You know what? The problems of the world are not for me to mm-hmm. deal with. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That might be fine for a non-Muslim,
0: but for a Muslim, that's not fine. Definitely. <laughs> and I think you know, you know this. Uh, entertainment we call some people, I've heard it. entertainment which is like it taints okay. the mind right? entertainment okay, entertainment, okay. Right? I thought you so, were stuttering there I just I, I just made a word um, no so so the, the term entertainment is basically what we're saying is that you know this concept of gaming, as he's talking about yeah. gaming, Netflix, and it's all about escapism, and just so, you know, as long as you're happy and fulfilling yeah. your desires and keeping away from all the problems, you're okay, right? This is very, again, this is part of individualism, but um, it's from the past as well. So when the Romans would be killing the slaves and really a society that was um, degraded and you know yeah. it's, it's in the depths of darkness, what would be, happen is the people would be distracted through these fights between gladiators and all of this, right? Um, they'll be distracted. So it's an old, very old concept yeah. that it still works, you know, and they still apply it here that it's all about entertainment and, you know, escapism and so that they don't need to really think about the problems and don't challenge the status quo. They don't challenge the, the capitalists. Exactly. And you can link an ayat to this, yeah? Allah says in Surah
2: Al-Fa'l, and fear a trial which will not strike those who have wronged among you exclusively.
0: SubhanAllah, yeah.
2: And know that Allah is severe in penalty. What does that mean? If you look at the tafsir, and you look at uh, what the Mufassirin have said. it said that even if you as an individual are very pious or if people are pious in that society, you know, if they don't go out and try and rectify the mm-hmm. fitna in society and how and effectuate societal change, then Allah won't look at whether you're pious or not pious. That mm-hmm. that society is getting destroyed. Definitely. Or, or there will be severe punishment. Because Islam isn't this deen that is individual that I just look after myself. Mm-hmm. It's this deen that wants to make sure it solves all of man's problems yeah. it is this dean that wants to say when you implement this dean and when you apply the sharia laws then that whole system is a lot easier to do good and a lot more difficult to do sin in that society yeah, yeah. you see then it's like that melting pot example again mm. because it has that whole effect where now you've warmed the whole society up mm. and people then are kind of gravitate towards good yeah,
0: yeah. and then
2: enjoining and the good and forbid the e- forbidding the evil becomes Part of nature. Part of nature in that particular society. Very important. And then all those obligations that either we don't know about or that we're not carrying out, then you can start to do them again. But we need to do them in a difficult situation because we want to get the reward for
0: it. Well, do you know the the example you give about society affecting the youth as well? Mm. You know, the fact that, actually, you know if you live in a society that is dominated by their way of life, the other way of life, right? So the education system will be, you know, dominated by this, so... Like you said, LGBT, freedoms, liberalism would be the main things that are being uh, spread across. And, you know, we've spoken about it in pre- previous uh, Talking Dean podcasts where, you know, the Brunei example and all of this, uh, you know, so I won't go through the detail of that. But, you know, society does impact uh, the Muslim youth, but there's something else as well. You know, um, through the government prevent scheme or the counter and violent extremism scheme that's more global scheme uh, worldwide being being led it's a campaign against Islam essentially targeting the ideas of Islam and the Muslims themselves and the the diff- the you know, the problem we have really is that government imams and st- when I say government imams I don't, I'm not talking about every imam but um, there's a group or an organisation called Imams Online these are groups that are being funded by Prevent. There's evidence, you know, I'm not just saying this. And directly you
2: can link them all the way back to CVE in America by the research institutions, right down to individual activities that took place after specific terror events. There's evidence of it. If anybody wants to look at it, they just need to search for things like controlled spontaneity. Or they search for things whereby, after certain incidents have happened, let's bring out, let's look at what people said on the ground. A lot of that gets covered up.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know the
2: example of you know where the Finsbury Park attack happened. That um, at that occasion, what happened was you know there was that imam that got involved, and he was involved in um, stopping like a lot of the youth beating up the guy or yeah, yeah. practically killing the guy who just ran over one of the worshippers. Mm-hmm. yeah. But actually what happened was that was intentionally afterwards promoted so heavily to the extent that, you know, some of those youth, when you go back to them now, they're quite frustrated. They're saying that we didn't go to lynch that person. That's what the, the media wrote about mm-hmm. us. But actually there's links to someone being there who promoted that imam to make sure that he gave a very... Softy softy interfaith type message. Yeah.
0: And you and know who that guy good. was. That, was that, that, Sir, what, Siraj Warach, I think Waresh. his name is. which is yeah, yeah, he's the part of Imams Online. Exactly, and, and faith, faith Associates. Faith Associates, sorry, yeah. So all
2: of these organizations they link back yeah. to the White House. They will link back to yeah, the C V E. They link to Prevent. If we question Prevent so heavily, why are we happy yeah. with these imams that are linked to all of these other organisations being funded by the very same
0: institutions. We should question that. Definitely, because I think that's the issue with the youth, right? Like you said, it's really promising to see them coming towards Islam, but if they're being taken away to a certain direction through these kind of platforms where, uh, you know, government imams, you know, government people that are really trying to direct the Muslims and speaking on behalf of the Muslims and kind of saying, sharing messages about interfaith, messages about kind of... Uh, you know peaceful coexistence yeah. with everyone. Oh, it's okay to you know to be gay and Muslim, and all this. You know, basically BS. Really, um, they're really make, trying to make this the norm, yeah. so that Muslims accept this. Inshallah, I, I pray that they fail. But you know, we all pray that they fail. But this is the reality that's yeah. out there, so we need to guard against.
1: But but also, you know, if you think about the same the same people, whether I don't even want to call them scholars, but you know. Another you know, issue if you look in the Quran, how many times Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reference enjoying the good, forbidden the evil? So many times. In fact, in one of the ayats Allah says that uh, you are the best nation sent to mankind because you enjoy the good, forbid the evil, and believe in Allah. And you see here the and believing Allah is actually putting enjoying the good, forbidden the evil on the same level as believing in Allah, right? So, you know, these ayat, we will hear them in the Taraweeh, you know, we'll read them, uh, your people will tell you about it. But the reality is, is that either we don't know about it because these, peop- these people you're talking about, they're not getting the, the youth, uh, understand what these ayat really mean. And, or we don't actually want to do anything about it. And we are content with saying, brother, the least we can do is make du'a, the least we can do is make du'a, you know, but the reality is that those people, when they say the least we can do is make du'a, you know, unfortunately, they know deep down, there's more they can do, but they are just like settling with the least, but subhanAllah there's a hadith of the Prophet wasallam when he said, oh people, Allah says, enjoy good and forbid evil before you call me, and I will not reply to you and before you ask me And I will not give you And before you seek my forgiveness And I will not give victory to you So here in this hadith The, the Prophet is saying is that you know We need to be enjoying the good Forbidden the evil And then we need to expect the victory And expect the help of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we are content on just brushing these things and to be honest with you this key issue of enjoying the good forbid the evil you know you, you it's not it's no surprise why these people like these imams online they don't speak about it why because these people they their message is accepting the status quo as it is yeah. is is finding the common uh common uh areas with the with the uh the non-muslims and etc to live happily and and you know but enjoying the for, for good forbid the evil is quite clear and actually, to these people that promote this view, it's actually quite intolerant. But we know this is not intolerant. Because Subhan, actually, well, in reality, as Muslims, anything which is uh, which is evil is intolerant. And what is good, we find it as tolerant, right? So you can understand then, when we think about globally, the issue where uh, Muslims are not participating in the work to uh, change our situation, like what Rash was saying earlier, the fact is that, you know, before in the old days, well, actually, I'm not going to say old days because I'm going to put myself in that in that, that era of time. But in the, you know, uh, a you know, couple of decades ago, shall we say, right? At that time, you had people who weren't practicing, i.e. Muslims, they didn't know about Islam, right? So now the awareness of Islam is amongst the Muslims. So what does Iblis do? He pulls out his next maneuver. So what does he do? He beautifies those things, which actually uh, you think... You are doing what you need to be doing. And Alhamdulillah, like Rash pointed out, those things are important. But the reality is is that those specific things that will uh, work towards the change in the situation of the Ummah are totally absent or misrepresented.
2: Or we're not even intending to do those.
1: Or we're not even intending on doing those, you know. But SubhanAllah, okay. So, you know, we've, we've painted a picture. One which is showing as a positive sign that the Muslims are getting more religious. And we see this anyway, Alhamdulillah. But at the same time, we see that there is a lot of uh, uh, diversions and, and obstacles put in our way. So, our situation Someone may say it's impossible, Um, especially with the with those that we've, we're up against. Seems like they have unlimited resources. You know, what's your angle there? Then you know, because at the end, of the, some people might think, "Well, if the if the situation is so dire, then what can we actually do?"
0: Well, you know, do you know that this? Statement that if a nation is powerful and has wealth and has all the resources, they will never fail. This statement in itself is untrue. Like the fact is, nations do not rise and fall due to their wealth or their material, or their material wealth or their resources. They don't. Um, I went to Egypt recently, um, a few about a month ago. I went to Egypt, and um, you know, I saw the the pyramids and the Sphinx, and you know, they're grand, grand, massive um, structures, right? And SubhanAllah, it does make you reflect that these empires, Firaun was a huge, powerful entity but where is he now? All that remains is this just ruins really, just ruins that are just there and it just makes you think SubhanAllah, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala says that this is a sign, this is an ayat for the men of understanding that, you know, travel up my land and see what happened to those who didn't believe in Allah those who were sinful, you know and what this, what this really gives us this kind of motivation and inspiration is that no matter how big a nation is, they if they are not upon the truth, they will fall. And no matter how small a nation may be or weak a nation may be, uh, if they're upon the truth, they will gain. And your, I don't want to repeat the, the you know the example of last uh, last talking dean podcast, but the example of Badr is a clear example of this, right? They were weak in terms of their number, like in terms of their number, their size, they were weak. They they were lightly equipped against the Quraysh who were heavily equipped, knew the battle, you know, they they were very um, prepared for battle with their numbers, but who won? The one that was on the truth. So this is a really good example, because one may argue that with Egypt and with kind of Ad and Thamud, Allah's signs came, Allah's destruction came, but with the Messenger, we have the example, our best example, that when the Muslims had that strength and they um, realised that their victory, and their source of inspiration was from Islam and the Quran and the Sunnah, they, they defeated the enemy.
1: So, you know, certainly we we're speaking about the, the greater enemy, but reality is, I think, what needs to happen is we need to look inward. Okay? And when I say inward, to clarify, not going on to the individual level, but as in Muslims, as in, the, as in an ummah. And I think, you know, some of the points that uh, we need to do first of all is, you know, change will not happen until there's some sort of agitation yeah, yeah? Uh, you have a problem you will look for a solution so at the moment i think for a lot of people maybe they don't understand the problem right if you don't understand the problem how can you understand the the solution so for example you know you you see this situation where as subhanallah is watching a video where there was this uh, a young muslim girl and she was under rubble and they were trying to, um, subhanAllah man, you know, they was they trying to break break her loose and a, a leg was stuck under the rubble and uh, she's calling out to her father, yeah. And the video finished and then, you know, the advertisement came up, you know, donate some money here. SubhanAllah, what are you talking about? You know, the problem is, is somebody's frigging bombing them. You know, that's the problem. You understand? So if you don't understand the problem Then you might think, yeah, you know what, let me just send Some uh, of my money across Alhamdulillah, sadaqa itself You know, is very noble Yeah, it's very noble, but it's not a solution To a problem, that's just to Purify your own wealth, but the issue I'm saying Is if you don't understand the problem Then the Muslims will be Doing things which they think help But in reality They keep the the situation as it is
2: You know what I would say as well, just to add to that, is Like I say, it's a really good point, but I think this is it. Muslims haven't really understood what the problem is and what the solution is. And if they do understand the problem, they haven't really clarified in their minds. But, you know, the easiest way to look at it, I think, and and just to simplify it for the the (sighs) listeners, is to almost say, you know, because sometimes you can go, okay, yeah, well, of course I want political solution Mm. to Palestine. Of course, no Muslim is going to say, I don't want a political solution there. You know, we don't want the actual political solution to be enacted there.
1: But just stop you there, bro. Because I'll be straight with you. I've been uh, even recently. You know, I've spoken to Muslims where you know you you bring up these issues. You know, even the Nakba time, I sent a message for Nakba, and the message I had back was, you know, probably we shouldn't be speaking about politics. Yeah, know, so yeah. these are the things we need to be. We need to speak out against. And,
2: and this is back to the what we were saying earlier on, where Muslims have you know been fed this version of Islam that somehow politics is not part of Islam. And this is not the case that so we know this maybe the western form of politics the dirty politics that play yes that's why we want want to keep islam away from that but that doesn't mean that islam didn't come to regulate the affairs of people which yeah. is the correct understanding of politics but the thing is the simple way i was going to say to understand this is as individuals it can seem like this huge goal that how can me as an individual solve this problem yeah. but you know what? allah didn't ask me to solve that problem. Allah said to me, to do what is within your capability, Allah. using the correct methodology that has been brought to you by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to do everything in your capability to help the situation. And that's what I'm going to get um, questioned. questioned on. Yeah. That's what you're going to get questioned on. We're not going to get questioned on completely rectifying the situation and helping all the Muslims in the Muslim lands. We're going to be questioned on what did we do with our comfort and our ease or our situation and each of our tests is different. Mm -hmm. We're going to be questioned on that. And then if we just say, oh, well, I put some money into a bucket. Allah will ask us, is that the most you could have done? Mm -hmm. And to say, yeah, that's the most we can do is not the case. We live in a world which is very connected today. Mm -hmm. We live in a world when we speak out and when we... kind of try to invoke revival amongst the Muslims, yeah. it has an effect on in the Muslim lands. If our, the ca- ideas that we carry, and it's the mm-hmm. ideas that make a, a nation strong, if those ideas that we carry, and we tell other people about those ideas, those ideas carry into Muslim lands. Exactly. This is what's going to effectuate change. And we might not see it in our lives. It's not about seeing the victory in our lives. We, we don't know if we're going to live till tomorrow. Mm-hmm. But it's about doing what is within our capability, and then Allah is on our side. That's right. Allah is on our side. If we all do that, and then that ayat, where Allah is telling us about, you know, changing the condition of a people, of a Qa'um, that's when it will actually occur because we will be deserving of it. Mm. Because we will be doing what is within our capability, not the bare minimum.
1: SubhanAllah. And I think, you know, um, an example which I've always thought to myself uh, really uh, makes me understand of what, what role we can play Is that you know we were speaking before about the society and about capitalism And, and the reality is, is that we are a product of the society yeah So if you look at the society today, especially those people living in the West The Muslims that we're speaking about who are, you know, who are not really uh, exerting themselves in, in the areas they need to be The reality is, is that we've been influenced by the society So imagine now you have a conveyor belt okay and that conveyor belt now you have you have every single one of us we're on this conveyor belt okay the reality is is that what's at the end what's at the end is jahannam okay and what what they're doing is think about it kids nowadays they all want to play fortnite you know a lot of people their interests are the same why because there's a few people sitting there who are deciding what shall we make the new thing in and out right so in reality we're like robots What's happened, subhanallah, through the mercy of Allah wa ta'ala, is a few people on this conveyor belt, they realize now where this is leading. So what they've done is they've made the choice of coming off this conveyor. Belt, okay. But then what's happening at the same time is you have the authorities, like a big, you know, like a like a big hand who once it realizes that you know that someone has realized where they're actually being taken, it's taking them putting them in the in the in the reject bin. Right, Because they're not part of this society And that could be anyone, that could even be like uh, Communists in in their regards, i.e. what they want to think But what I'm talking about is now the few people that have come off That's not good enough If we feel that like we've come off this conveyor belt And we can see, the reality is, is we need to make sure That we take off everyone else off this conveyor belt But the true reality is brothers and sisters We're talking about societal level And to truly take people off this what we need to be doing is working towards building our own conveyor belt, which is taking people to Jannah, right? And this is the collective responsibility of every single one of us. Because at the same time, we can't just say, Alhamdulillah, I'll go off the conveyor belt. Because we have a responsibility, not just to Muslims, to mankind, you know. So this is, subhanAllah, these are the things that, this is the responsibility that is on our shoulders. And if, if some of the attitude, when you speak to brothers and, you know, the attitude is, you know, and, and so you know when a non-Muslim comes to your work and says, "So what's your plans for the weekend?" You don't tell them what your plans are because they'd be they'd be calling the the feds, wouldn't they? <laughs> but you just say, "Yeah, yeah, you know, the same or same or right?" You know. But when you and Muslims, when you speak to Muslims and their plan for the weekend is to put the feet, put their feet up or get home and watch Netflix, Subhanallah, we have lost our purpose, objective as collectively as Muslims, what we need to be working towards. So what I would say is leading to your point, Rash, that You know first of all we need to understand We're on this conveyor belt that's leading us to Jahannam right and then when We come off it we need to understand We need to take people off But all of this has to happen from A first of all is the desire And after that comes the knowledge If that desire is not there and if we're Content with a certain version That we think is is Nice and uh, 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 cozy Then subhanallah you know Without even realizing we may think We've come off this conveyor belt You know, for example, these imams online you're talking about, what they've actually done is they've built their own conveyor belt, which looks Islamic, but it's taking you towards Jahannam, right? So what we need to do, this is our responsibility, brothers, you know, and we all have this responsibility, you know, and uh, we need to be working towards this.
0: And You know, the reality is, um, with Ramadan as well, you know, we need to move away from this kind of viewpoint. I know we will never say this as a statement, but Allah does not need us. The reality is yeah, Allah doesn't need us. Allah is mighty and great, be, you know, beyond needing us to do anything for him. It's us that needs Allah. Yeah. It is we that need salvation. Allah doesn't need us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Allah is free of need, while you are the needy. And if you turn away, He will replace you with another people then they will not be the likes of you. So Allah is telling us, subhanAllah, that He does not need you. He's free of need. He has no need whatsoever. It's you that is needy. And if we don't do the required action, what will happen? He will replace us with people who will. And this goes back to your point. That just because we might not see the change or can't visualize the change or it's you know going to take 30 years or whatever it may be, the reality is we need to do our bit for the next generations. And then Allah Will, will help us and, and, you know, give us Jannah insha'Allah.
2: Yeah, and even the very simplest example of that is if you just imagined that there was, you stood in front of your Lord on Yom Al-Qiyamah and say you, were, do you imagine crudely you just did all the sunnah prayers and non, none of the fard prayer in your life oh no. and you were surprised by all of the sins that on the scales yeah. because you didn't do your fard, actually that would be like knowing that there's obligations to be done in this life yeah. Like enjoying the good and forbidding the evil And not doing them And just restricting yourself to the, the recommended acts So it's just, just to visualize yeah. a, a bit of an analogy to end on Yes,
1: yeah, subhanAllah So inshallah, I think uh, you know, many points were said there And uh, some, some notes have been jotted down uh, In regards to some things we should come we take away So first thing I think you know, is important That uh, we must understand that improving ourselves is mandatory This goes without saying, right, in Islam. But the approach that's used by mainstream movements um, are either sinister or either ignorant. And I think the main thing is that as Muslims, you know, we must understand that our condition is going to change when we as Muslims work collectively for this change. And for that, subhanAllah, you know, we must understand the plans against us for a start we must be aware politically aware of what's happening and we have to before anything have that desire to dedicate our lives um, to this because you know brothers and sisters brother rash made the point about capability the reality is is you know uh, everyone's situation is their own you know no one's here to judge but the reality is brothers and sisters you think about other things in life which we put the amount of effort we put in for this, whether it's studying, whether it's for family, whether it's for degrees or for employment or whatever. Just think about it, you know. Think about it. The amount of effort. But for the amount of effort we put in understanding our deen, really trying to go out, exerting ourselves to to know about the biography, the seerah of the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, to understand the ayas of the Quran. What does our creator want from us really? You know are we just here to just live and just you know go by and and you know do everything what everyone else is doing and then just die and you know we see our Lord? No, there's more to it because Allah says that you know just because you have iman, don't think you ain't gonna be tested. So these are the questions that we need to ask ourselves, brothers and sisters, you know, and look at ourselves and think, you know what? Subhanallah, what is it I want more? Why is it I'm pu- I'm exerting more effort for those things that are gonna leave- I'm gonna leave behind when I'm in my grave? But, but those things that I need to secure my Akhirah, in reality, I'm very casual with those, or actually it's not even it's is non-existent. So these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. So inshaAllah, we'll bring this to an end. You know, we are in the blessed month of Ramadan, we're in the final final ten days, you know. So brothers and sisters, make this the springboard. You know, this before anything, before any actions, the desire must be there. And, you know, this is the month when, you know, we look collectively and Muslims are on it. We should really use this for our benefit and motivate ourselves that, you know what, this is the year I make that change. You know, this is the year when I start to look at the issues of the Ummah the same way I see my own issues. You know, and and this is the time because subhanAllah, whether talking deen is going to be here in a year's time, whether I'm going to be here or yourselves, we don't know. But subhanAllah, what we do know is that there is going to be a day of judgment. We will be standing in front of our Lord and he will be questioning us. And you know what? He's not going to restrict it just to your personal ibadat. That's not the essence of Islam. And we need to really understand this. So inshallah ta'ala, on that note, um, I'll bring it to an end. Jazakallah for the panel. أقول قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم ول المسلمين فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليكم ورحمة الله